it's not about establishing the right goals, right? Everyone's got the same goals. Everyone wants to go to the games. Everyone wants to win the games. So that's not the differentiating factor. Mm -hmm. The differentiating factor lies way, way down the road, four or five steps before that. It truly is, what are we doing to develop character? And character is not what you're, you're born with. Some people have it in their genes where they can withstand cold better and have a little better of true toughness, but the, the characteristics we're looking for are created. And the characteristics of a champion are created. And as a coach, if I had someone at age 10 and I wanted them to peak and 15 years later, I would start to develop that, not by, you know, not by, you know, doing something unethical with 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 the youth, but doing it in a really fun and exciting way where they're enjoying the process so they don't even know what's happening. There's gonna be a whole lot of things that are outside of your control. Let them go. Let them go. Just focus on what is the best thing I can do. The best thing I can do to maximize my potential. My potential. My potential. I kind of wanted to have a little thought experiment with you in terms of thinking ahead five, 10, maybe 15 years at what the sport of CrossFit is going to look like. And obviously we don't know what it's going to look like, but we can kind of guess based on the last 10 years as I knock that over. Looking ahead to the athlete or the type of athlete who is going to be dominant at that point. If you were to say today, okay, I want, you know, I want to start building the athlete who's going to win the CrossFit Games in 10 or 15 years. Sort of having that as our starting point, where do you begin thinking about, or how do you begin thinking about that as a long-term goal? Okay, great. I love it. Like fantasy land, like CrossFit fantasy. Exactly. Yeah, we're going to, we can build him. <laughs> um, I think that, so if we're talking about, let's call it 15 years down the road, the athletes are reaching their genetic potential for this sport very similar, I, I equate this very similar to um, NHL hockey. I think it's a very similar type of sport. It's high intensity, it's physical. Um, I think the lifespan and the peaking is very similar. Less fighting though. Yeah, except for point. now, like yeah. fighting is not much less. It's like, <laughs> and, and people are proposing that fighting comes into CrossFit as it comes out of hockey. <laughs> Uh, so I think that the similarities are very similar in terms of when the, these athletes peak. So I, I, the the heyday for a CrossFit athlete is essentially 20, 20 to 25. It's very similar to a um, CrossFit Games athlete. There are some teenagers that make it, just like in the NHL, there are some teenagers that make it. There's a whole handful of athletes still competing in their late 20s, but the majority of them are not really peaking or competing for top level spots once they're into their 30s. So if we're saying 15 years down the line and we're talking about when they're peaking, that's when they're 25, we're looking at a 10-year-old today. So yep. what do I want a 10-year-old today to be doing? Yeah. I don't want to be doing CrossFit first and foremost, but not at not exclusively, not as the only thing. There's so much benefit to developing, especially at that young age, the big repertoire. And truthfully, some of that, which we talked about before, that third wave adaptation, that real specific stuff that they're going to get from other sports. I would want them to, if we're talking like four seasons, the normal four seasons, in the spring, I would probably want them doing some sort of, uh, um, uh, let's start actually in the fall, like when they're starting school type thing. In the fall, I probably want them to be doing that season, I'd probably want them to be doing CrossFit. I'd probably want them to be playing and uh, playing that as their sport. They're in the gym you know, um, 
three, four, five days a week doing CrossFit. They're probably going to couple with that with gymnastics. Mm. So that's where I kind of want to smush those two together. In the winter sports, this might surprise some people. I would want that athlete playing basketball. Really? There's no real, I mean, Katie, Katie Henniger yep. was a former basketball. She's a games champion. She's really the only one that's come up through that. Easy Muhammad, I think, was a- Easy Muhammad, great, yeah. great call. Yep. Yep. I think the, the reason for that is because the physical stature doesn't line up for our sport. You know, our sport rewards people in the middle, right? If you think of somebody that's you're either too tall, you can get punished by those body weight movements like handstand pushups, burpees, and things like that. If you're too short, you can get punished by the rope climbs, the wall balls, and the yeah. rowing. You need to be the ideal CrossFitter is 5'9, 200 pounds. That's male. What about female? Female is uh, about 5'5, 140. Okay. So that's kind of where, we, you know, 145. We like to, that's where we kind of like these guys to be at age 25. We're, now we're starting to play with something that we can really mold into something special. Backing up 10 years, and all the dads are listening to this right now, like <laughs> taking notes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, in the fall, it would look like CrossFit and gymnastics. In the winter, basketball, for the reason not that I want them to be good at shooting hoops, but there's so much coordination development. I think that basketball players are the most coordinated athletes. Hand, eye, foot, true. Like when we think about coordination, that type of thing. It's very different the coordination that a gymnast would pick up. There's something to the hand-eye coordination ball sport, literally ball sport, and also I want them on a team. Mm. There's a lot to be said for the development of being on a team. But Which it, really, it doesn't happen in gymnastics. Right. Or, right. CrossFit. or CrossFit. Yep. yep. So we want them on a team. I want them to be playing basketball because of that true coordination aspect. It gets them away from being the gym monkey, right? And there's a lot of gymnasts out there and weightlifters out there that do really want our sport. But when you really bring them out and you have them play basketball, you have them play volleyball, you have them throw a baseball, it's like, whoa, how are you in the <laughs> upper echelons of our sport? So I would want them to be doing that in the spring. I want them doing track and field, yep. sprinting and middle distance stuff, hurdles, um, broad jumps, long jumps, high jumps, all that stuff to build up that real true fast twitch and speed components. Now, do you, during track, I mean, is it is it do CrossFit some number of times a week and also do these other sports to sort of develop those specific? I, at age 10, yeah, or, I would yeah. be doing the sport. Yeah. I would be doing the sport. And at age 10, that's, we're talking about, uh, fifth, sixth grade, it's not going to be a every day. So you certainly have a component to supplement that with CrossFit as well. So seven days a week, I'd probably be doing um, three or four days a week of your sport and three or four days a week of CrossFit. Um, and then I would also in the summertime, probably get them swimming, um, doing triathlons, building up some a little bit of endurance base behind that. I think you create that little repertoire, you know, um, maybe some Olympic lifting in the summer as well. So kind of get that smushed on both ends. They get mm -hmm. that really heavy and the really long, you know, maybe I'm saying a compound answer because I'm choosing like nine yeah, sports. All of them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think I left one or two sports out. There's but no that's, archery, but that's probably right. Valuable. Yeah. Yeah. But that's really where I think I would <clears throat> go with that is that team sport, real coordination aspect. And then some of those uh, specialty things that have real true transfer over into what we're trying to create. And then, so that's, I mean, that's roughly around 10. Is that, when does it, does that just through high school? Yeah. Um, I think that that would build up until, so tr truthfully, that's not really, um, that would be a, a lot. Yeah. But at age 10, you want that vast array. You want that experience and all. We're not looking for somebody to excel in anything. I don't want my, my if the goal is to win the CrossFit games, I don't want them 
to be spending, you know, two and a half hours a night shooting free throws. I want them on a team playing basketball and going through the practices so they can develop the coordination and really just that kind of like overarching adaptation that we're looking for. Similar to track and field, I don't need them to nail down their starting positions out of a block. Mm -hmm. I just need them faster. So they don't need to be doing this exhaustively or completely or for a very long time. I think this kind of um, lives through their elementary years, their middle school years. When they get to high school, they're probably going to find a sport that's a little bit more higher level, you know, if, if they're in a competitive sport. I wouldn't want my athletes playing AAU or really truly specializing, but picking two sports particularly, probably maybe even just one in high school, and then supplementing the rest of the year with CrossFit, sprinting, and Olympic lifting. Now, do you, at that point, would you suggest that that athlete, whether they're 13, 14, 15, whatever age that is, is actually competing at CrossFit in terms of you know signing up for the local throwdown? Or is this, we just, we're just building the base and, 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 and the competition will come later? Yeah, I love that question. Um, definitely not competing. This is, we are not putting someone in competition mode. What we do, especially at the highest level at the games and training, Katrin, Matt, and these guys that we that I work with, I, I don't want them to be doing that for 15 years, particularly entering the sport with 15 years of competing behind their under their belt. They're probably going to develop a lot of bad habits if they do that, not good ones, and they're going to be training themselves, I'm sorry, they're going to be competing themselves out of shape. The saying in triathlons, the background I came up through was you can compete yourself out of shape. If you are doing a, if your goal is to do an Olympic distance triathlon and you train that by doing a sprint every weekend, a lot of people look at that as a great opportunity because it's a supported training day every single weekend. You get your big stuff in. Well, there's a lot of stress that comes along with being in a race yeah. and people are going to go harder and they're not going to work on their weaknesses. They're going to try and exemplify their strengths to do better in their endeavor. Mm -hmm. So I would certainly not want them competing. Truthfully, probably not competing at all until they're, you know, even the teenage CrossFit things has yet to bear fruit, whether that's a good thing or a bad thing. Knowing what I know today is I would want to shorten up that career and actually not have them competing until probably 17 or 18 years old. So does that mean you wouldn't recommend they get a... Two questions that they not get a that uh, CrossFit coach for until they're ready to compete. So that's 18, 19 until they really look for somebody to really help them kind of guide, guide their way into um, into the, the CrossFit career. And then sort of piggybacking on that question, you look at a lot of other sports, whether it's tennis or golf and probably probably any sport that you can make money at. There are places that kids can go that, you know, the, the, the talented kids can go to get that really sort of intense training under the, the sort of the eyes of coaches. Mm-hmm. Is that something that you think is going to happen regardless of whether or not it's a good thing or a bad thing? Is that going to happen in CrossFit? And then is that something that they should avoid for those sort of those other reasons? I think it's happening now. Is it? Yeah, I've, I've already had... Um some parents of young kids reach out to me and ask if I would be willing to coach their kids. And I don't think it's the right approach at all. Um, the second question, piece of that question is, <clears throat> should they get a coach? Yes, absolutely. If you can work underneath somebody that has that can give you an advantage and teach you how to move well and teach you how to eat right and teach you how to strategize workouts and prioritize your training sessions, weeks, and years, absolutely that's so much better than trying to figure out on your own or figure out with your mom or dad who do crossfit as well even if they're games athletes there are some coaches in our sport that truly know what's going on at this point 
if that coach is pushing the 11 year old and the 12 year old to, to maximize their potential in local competitions, I don't think that's the right approach. But if you have the opportunity to get with a good coach, that can set you up to maximize your potential when you're 22, not when you're 12. Yes. Uh, that's interesting. Do you, what is the, given that you're a coach, what would the incentive for you to be to, to, to do that, to be a coach to a kid? Other, like, I guess if you took the really long view and said, you know, I'm willing to invest 10 years in a kid before they sort of, you know, quote unquote, bear fruit. But I don't know. It's just, uh, I don't know that yeah, there's think, an answer to it. It's just, no, it's I, think just the, I think there is. I think the answer to why would you want to be a coach to a 12 year old looking to maximize their potential when they're 22 is the same answer as that. Why are you a coach of a little league team or why are you a coach of your youth soccer team or why are you a coach of any youth? It's because you enjoy it. Yeah. It's, you, uh, it's, and this is kind of like leapfrogging to another section, but I think a lot of people in life in general try to figure out what the payoff is at the end instead of doing things that they enjoy in the moment. And I think that's, uh, it's a real downfall in our society is we're setting our kids up through the schooling, schooling system that we have and what they're expected to do outside of school where basically the whole system is set up for you'll be able to enjoy yourself when you retire. Right. And that's not, that's not, the, that's, I don't think that's a great approach at all. Like, what are we doing today to maximize today and enjoy today? Like, time is relative. You don't know if you're going to be here for a week or for 130 more years. Mm-hmm. Let's f- try and figure out how to maximize today. And a lot of people really enjoy coaching youth sports. And that's the reason to be a part of that for sure. But that's different than the, the, the training camp, I don't even know what they're called, but like the training camp that I'm sure you can go to Florida and, and as a 10 year old and play yep. tennis for 10 hours a day, there's a guy there who's, he's the coach. That's his job. Yep. That, so that, that was really my question is like, yeah, I totally get the literally coach stuff like that. But as, as a coach for like a, a competitive athlete, that that's kind of the thing that's interesting to me. And I wonder if that'll, yeah, I think it's still the same thing. I think those people get off with training the elites of the youth level. Right. And maybe they're trying to climb the ranks to be training elites of the amateur or pro level. So that's their stepping stones. Yeah. That's a good point. And, or they're trying to build up their repertoire resume and, or just that's where they want to be. And that's their niche. And that's what they're excellent at. And they're a world leader in youth development and people seek them out from all over the world. And that's what, gives them their kudos and gives them their fulfillment. Um, that makes sense. Different strokes, different folks. You know, I think what what people enjoy is what people enjoy. So let's, so we kind of have an idea of like what you would recommend or suggest on the sports side. That's obviously a, a only one part of what ends up making an athlete end up being a champion, right? And you know that better than anybody. What else would you look at for that kid to be doing from, you know, 10 to 18 what other what other sort of uh, what other um, what else should they be paying attention to other than the time that they spend in, in either sports or the gym? Yeah, that's a it's a great question. It's probably it's very open ended, and there's probably a lot of different answers I could give to that. Um, in terms of beyond the physical adaptations we're looking for, and beyond let's get stronger, let's get faster, better endurance. What are the other sort of adaptations? The obvious one is the mental toughness component, and as we've talked about before. That is developed through overcoming adversity. That's the way to get better at it. Now, with some of the the practices I would look to instill in that person, in that young person looking to be better, is some sort of mindfulness approach. Call it meditation. Call it uh, self-reflection. Call it um, 
thinking experiments, whatever you want to call it. I like to call it mindfulness. Mm-hmm. I would want that athlete to start to really become aware of their of their thought patterns. And that's how we develop mental toughness first and foremost is just being aware of the voice inside your head and how you control that voice. That voice does not control you. And that voice is going to dictate who you become. Right. It's a really powerful thing. So I would instill some sort of daily, weekly, whatever it is, um, habitual mindfulness practice. And then the other piece of that is just the overall adversity component. I would get them as much experience as possible in as many different, you know, I'm sounding like I'm trying to create like a Spartan warrior type thing and like push, feed them to the wolves yeah, and see yeah. if they come back and survive and, you know, put them in, you know, but it's that in a 21st century approach. Yep. I would want them to go and spend time literally camping in the woods so they're used to, you know, that not like Hunger Games or zombie apocalypse type stuff, but this level of like nothing really, I, I've seen it, I've done it. Mm-hmm. I've spent, you know, overnight experiences on um, under the stars on the ocean, right? I've I've... I've been out in the wilderness for three, four, five days at a time by myself. Mm-hmm. I have hiked 10,000 foot peaks. I have, um, you know, walked uh, a marathon through the desert. Mm-hmm. Like all of a sudden you start to do those things and thrusters and pull-ups aren't that scary. Right. Yeah, because I imagine it, it provides sort of a, a, a perspective that if you just were an athlete and the worst thing that's ever happened is like you lost the big game, then the next time you're up against that big game, the only thing you have to compare it to is that time I lost versus Absolutely. all of the examples. That, you that just perspective get. thing is a great word. Uh, there's actually um, I'm going to blank on his name, but the 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 man that developed Outward Bound program, which is where they take youths and bring them into the wilderness yep. for weeks on a time and kind of live the live off the land and um, have adventures, and um, it's a hardship. Mm-hmm. It's hard. The reason that was created because what they found was when Ships would go down in the ocean and people were living and trying to survive on lifeboats. What happened was it was not the most physically fit that survived. It wasn't the people that got the food rations and people that didn't. It wasn't the people that had sunscreen and didn't. What the people that survived were the older people. The younger people died. Hmm. The 18-year-olds couldn't hack it because it's the worst thing they've ever experienced. They had no perspective. They couldn't know, they didn't know how to overcome that sort of adversity. The 40-year-olds and plus said, I've been through things, maybe not like this, but I've been through hard times before. I know that if I keep my head down, I'll get through this. Mm-hmm. Maybe not I know, but I have a higher level of faith than the 18-year-old who, woe is me, this is terrible, what are we going to do? Feed myself to the sharks. Right. Yeah. It, it gives you a sense of what you're capable of. Absolutely. Which I think when it comes down to it, it on game day, that's the thing you, that's the reserve you sort of pull from is like, I, yep. I know what I'm capable of. And so that's what the, that's what the guy created. What do you want to do was take these 14, 15 to 18 year olds and give them these experiences, give them some sort of hardship and watch them overcome it to make these people a little more hardier, you know, become a, a, a hardier race, a hardier right. human being. Right. Do you think that we're primarily, do you think that we're lacking that, uh, when you look at, you know, 10 to 18 year olds, is that something that feels like it's lack? Like, because it feels like what you're saying is you have to make sure you go out of your way to make sure that that kid 
has those experiences, right? Because like, yeah. So it's like, otherwise, a gener- it's a generational thing, right? I feel yeah. like an old guy, but like <laughs> used to walk uphill both yeah. ways to school through snow, wrestling cows out of the way. Right. <laughs> and these kids today just play, sit on there playing their video games yeah. and, you know, and I'm going to sit in my rocking chair and complain about everything. Yeah. But it's true. Yeah. Especially <laughs> the wrestling cows part. Yeah. Right. Um, I just think as the comforts of society grow generation after generation after generation, you have to seek that stuff out more and more and more. You know, you didn't have to, if we're talking about Paleolithic time, you didn't have to seek that out. Right. It wasn't like- it sought you out. Right, exactly. <laughs> what, you know, every day you were trying to fight off the saber-toothed tigers and kill a gazelle so you could eat something and cook it over an open fire and make sure you had created shelter from the, like the hardship was there and it was real. Well, that's what human beings are forged. That's what we're supposed to have. Well, now we have air conditioning and, you know, Weber grills. It's right. like, you don't, so I do think that we have to seek that out a little bit because I think it does develop and it creates a certain level of mental fortitude, toughness, call it what you want. But those are the traits we look for in our athletes. You know, we say all the time, it's not about, it's not about establishing the right goals, right? Everyone's got the same goals. Everyone wants to go to the games. Everyone wants to win the games. So that's not the differentiating factor. Mm-hmm. The differentiating factor lies way, way down the road, four or five steps before that. It truly is, what are we doing to develop character? And character is not what you're you're born with. Some people have it in their genes where they can withstand cold better and have a little better true toughness, but the the characteristics we're looking for are created. And the characteristics of a champion are created. And as a coach, if I had someone at age 10 and I wanted them to peak and 15 years later, I would start to develop that, not by, you know, not by you know doing something unethical with 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 the youth, but doing it in a really fun and exciting way where they're enjoying the process, so they don't even know what's happening. Mm-hmm. That's a huge key component. If they fight back, if they have a you know Jennifer Capriotti like world class tennis player in the '90s when she was 14, but she was you know strung out on drugs by the time she was 19. I don't know if that's a true fact or not. But, <laughs> so, but you get the point. Yeah. There's a, there's the list of prodigies turned, flipped the other way are long and distinguished. Yeah. We don't need to, it's, I would want to keep that person enjoying the process as long as possible. Um, how, like when you think of Katrin and Matt and, you know, even Spieler or the other top athletes that you've worked with, are you able to sort of get, as you get to know them, are you able to sort of pinpoint how they ended up getting, because almost to a T, one of the things that they, especially the those athletes that I did, they have this mental toughness that ends up being sort of the differentiating factor for their success, right? Have you been able to sort of getting to know them, walk back and say, ooh, okay, I can see why when it gets really hard, you don't give up when everybody else does? Or is it just, a, is it is it not that easy to to sort of reverse engineer, I guess, is, is it? Yeah. Um... I don't think it's easy. I think it's it's a it's essentially playing psychologist. It's like what what is it that makes you who you are today? And I don't care what level psychologist you are, whether you're Sigmund Freud or as far down the list as Ben Bergeron, it's I don't think there's no science to it. No one can say that truly is the reason. There's a lot of theories behind it. I don't think I'll ever be able to say this is why you have toughness and this is why you don't, and this is why Spieler has it, and this is why Fraser has it, and why Catherine has it. I have philosophies and I have theories behind it, but I don't know the true inner workings. I don't think they know the true inner workings. I think they have ideas behind it, but no one really knows for sure where this stuff comes from. Um, 
I have theories on how to create it and how to make it stronger and fortify it, make it better. But they're theories. They've seemed to have tested out and worked well, but they're just that. If you were, if you were talking to a, let's say like a 16 or 17 year old, when they're starting to really think about like, Ooh, this could be something that I really wanted to do. If you're not as like a coach, but as just like a, as, as a person giving them advice, what would you suggest? Cause they're probably, well, maybe they, maybe they'll go back and do the things that you talked about yeah. in terms of playing those sports, but assuming that they're already kind of at a point where maybe they've got a sport that they like, or they, they're good at, what would the next couple of years, what would you ideally want those next couple of years to look like for them? Knowing that they're still a few years away from really peak performance. How do they spend 16, 17, 18 to, to yep. when they hit 19 and 20, they're actually, they can be competitive. Yeah. So I, everyone asks like, what is it? Is it wrestlers? Is it gymnasts? Is it um, track and field athletes in the women's field? A lot of soccer players excel. Yeah. I would want, um, I would want my athletes to be Olympic weightlifting at that age. Once we get to that age, I want them to put a lot of effort in that. Conditioning takes months to develop. Strength takes years to develop. It's, you know, a lot of people in the strength world, Louis Simmons says it's, you know, how do you get strong? Years. That's the answer. You know, I want to get strong. What should I do? Like start lifting and spend years (laughs) doing it. It takes a long, long time to develop that. If you want to build up your wind, it's a six month training cycle. Like I can put you like, that's what they do for the Tour de France. They go six weeks, really intense to build up your wind. Six weeks is going to get you, if you're an experienced, if you've been doing CrossFit for four or five years, six weeks might, if you do have a phenomenal training program, might get you 5% on your strength gains. You need to lift for years. Mm-hmm. And it's a huge differentiating factor in our sport. Now, I don't want that to come across as it's the number one def- defining characteristic. Because once you're strong enough, conditioning is the number one play. And that's a secret people just don't know. Yeah. You know, you look at... Um, the open, uh, the open, the year that they had the one rep max clean and jerk, yep. Rich Froning and Matt Fraser, who came in first and second in that open, were way down the list. You know, hundreds of people beat them in the clean and jerk, but zero people beat them in the thruster row. The thruster row is the one that sucks. It's the one that hurts. It's the work capacity test. It's only a 95 pound barbell, but they were both in the top four in the world in that. It's the work capacity that wins once you're strong enough. enough. Yeah. But we got to get strong enough. Right. And the, the, the idea being you can get too strong because if you're spending that much time or energy or effort getting stronger, you're not. Yeah. So it's not too strong, but it's too strong at the expense of something else. Yeah. yeah. So once you, so truthfully, like let's say Katrin for an example. Katrin is middle of the road last year. She's going to be different this year. <laughs> last year, she was middle of the road, middle of the pack in the strength events but she dominated the work capacity tests. There's only one or two pure strength events. There is 11 or more work capacity tests. Yep. Well, you tell me which one you'd rather excel at. Right. Now you have to be strong enough. If, if Katrin doesn't have a 165 snatch, she's not going to the game. So you can't get there. You have to be strong enough. But once you're a female and once you have a 200 pound, 210 pound snatch, you're strong enough. Now let's work on the work capacity side of things but we got to get up there for these kids that need to get there. Last question. Um, as a coach, uh, if a, if a 16 or 17 year old kid came to you and said, I really want to do this, would you rather they be 
in peak physical shape in, in terms of not only where they're at, but like where you think their potential could go? Or would you rather have a kid who you can you know and you can sense has a mental toughness that you that you don't see often? If it was only one or the other, what would you prefer as a coach, as somebody looking forward for for like? Ooh. Um, at age, here's work beats talent when talent doesn't work. Okay, but having said that. You know, I, I love the grittiness. I love the mental toughness. But you can't just have that. If you have that and you're at par with somebody, that person's going to win 100 times out of 100 versus somebody that just has the talent. But you have to have the talent. So if my, if my choices are giving me talent or grit, I personally might take the talent because I think I can develop the grit. I think I can work with it. Now, at, at particularly at that age, um, now it might fly in the face of all the stuff I put out before, but I don't think it does because I can develop it. it, it I've seen it before. Yeah. You know, when I started working with Katrin, she threw tantrums in the gym and cried on the regionals competition floor. Now she's the fiercest competitor on the female side and no one's mentally tougher. Like it, it can be developed. It's not this innate thing. So just like getting more conditioning, I would probably take the talent over the mental toughness. Interesting. Cool. Let's leave it at that. Thanks. Thank you.